0: Greetings, this is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will take a look at Acts 14, verses 8 through 28. So far, during their first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas experienced both a wonderful acceptance of the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and also great opposition and persecution. With each city they entered, it seems that the level of persecution increased to a greater level than the one before. I see in this how God was using these experiences to strengthen their faith and endurance for a ministry that will face many difficult situations throughout the coming years. I see God's mercy in allowing these things to happen. Step by step, their faith and focus grew. They became effective ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they were both counted as heroes of the faith. In our last session, Paul and Barnabas had fled for their lives from Iconium to Lystra because they had learned that the authorities and other powerful people in the city were conspiring to stone them to death. Let us read now about their experiences in Lystra, Acts chapter 14, beginning with verse 8. And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in the Laconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. That the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God, who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and all things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness, in that he did good, gave gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings they could scarcely restrain the multitudes from sca- sacrificing to them. Then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to derby As we read Paul and Barnabas were openly speaking to the people of Lystra Now remember what we have previously discussed that it was always Paul's pattern to begin his teaching ministry in the synagogue The fact that a synagogue is not mentioned in this account tells us that there were not enough Jewish men to form a synagogue so their ministry in this city was almost exclusively to Gentiles. This would be an important fact to understand very shortly. As Paul was preaching, he noticed that there was a man who was listening intently to everything he had to say. This man is described as someone who had been lame from birth. The entire city knew about this man and they knew that he had never walked but as paul was speaking he discerned that this man had put his faith in jesus christ and in that moment paul commanded the man to stand on his feet immediately the man was healed and he rose to his feet in fact The Bible provides us with a very dramatic description of what happened. Verse 10 tells us that he he leaped up and he walked. Just imagine the joy, the astonishment, the rejoicing that must have taken place in that moment. For that man, for his family and friends, and for all those who knew him or about him and actually saw this man leap up for the first time in his life. Amazing! Wonderful! Glorious! I love the way Dr. Ironside describes his healing. He writes, Oh, the wonders of the name of Jesus! What has been done for that man physically was just a picture of what, down through the centuries, the Lord has been doing for people spiritually. Millions of people have been unable to take one step toward God, one step toward heaven, until the gospel came and they believed it. When they did so, they found that they were able to rise out out of their sinfulness and helplessness and walk in the way of the Lord, glorifying him. This is one of the evidences that Christianity is really a revelation from heaven. It proves itself by what it does for the people who believe. People say, we do not see miracles today. Oh yes, you do. God is working miracles, making sober men out of drunkards, making honest men out of thieves and liars, making upright men out of scoundrels, making good Christian women out of those who have been characterless and without reputation, and then taking those who have prided themselves on their goodness and morality and leading them into a place of submission where they will own themselves sinners and find new life in Christ. Yes, it is a miracle-working gospel. God healed that man out of love and compassion. He also healed him in response to this man's faith in Jesus. And furthermore, this miracle once again confirmed that the gospel message the apostles were preaching was true. Just like we read in verse 3, where it says, Therefore they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Well, immediately the city responded. But it was according to their own superstitious and idolatrous practices. They assumed that Paul and Barnabas were their gods, Zeus and Hermes. This was because of a legend that they believed to be true. John MacArthur gives us a clearer understanding into what was transpiring here. He writes the following. The strange reaction of the people of Lystra to the healing had its roots in local folk- folklore. According to tradition, the gods of Zeus and Hermes visited Lystra incognito, asking for food and lodging. All turned them away except for a peasant named Philemon and his wife Bacchus. The gods took vengeance by drowning everyone in a flood, but they turned the lowly cottage of Philemon and Bacchus into a temple where they were to serve as priest and priestess. Not wanting to repeat their ancestors' mistake, the people of Lystra believed Barnabas to be Zeus and Paul to be Hermes the people began to talk excitedly, shouting in their own language, a language that Paul and Barnabas did not know. Just imagine being surrounded by a great crowd of people excitedly speaking and gesturing. Of course they would be excited. A man was just healed from his lameness. This man who had never walked was now walking and leaping and praising God. But what they did not know is that the people were calling for the priest of Zeus, the god who was the chief god of the city, to to come and offer sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas so that calamity would not fall on the city a second time. It was only when the priest came with oxen and garlands that Paul and Barnabas suddenly realized what was happening, and they were horrified. They tore their clothes, which was a common Jewish gesture expressing their horror and sorrow. They earnestly tried to explain that they were just men like all of them. But the people would not listen. Then Paul began to talk to them about the God of creation. This approach in preaching is very instructive for us. To the Jews, Paul had drawn his arguments out of Israel's rich history. When God had called Abraham to be the father of the Hebrew nation and and the father of faith in the living God, we have read already how both Paul and Peter would go to great lengths walking through Israel's history up to the moment when God sent his son in fulfillment of many prophecies, and that Jesus is the promised Messiah and Savior of the world. But this was a Gentile community, and they did not know about Israel's history. So Paul found common ground with them in the revelation of God written in creation. Dr. John Stott explains, The context within which he preached to the Jews in Antioch was Old Testament scripture, its history, prophecies, and law. But the pagans in Lystra, he focused not on a scripture they did not know, but on the natural world around them which they did know and could see. He spoke of the living God as the creator of heaven, earth, and sea, and of everything in them. Although in the past God let all nations go their own way, yet he has never at any time or in any place left himself without testimony. On the contrary, he has borne a consistent witness to himself by his kindness to all humankind, including Paul's listeners. Dr. Stott then adds this important reminder. We need to learn from Paul's flexibility. We have no liberty to edit the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ, nor is there ever any need to do so, but... We have to begin where people are, to find a point of contact with them. With secularized people today, this might be what constitutes authentic humanness, the universal quest for transcendence, the hunger for love and community, the search for freedom, or the longing for personal significance. Wherever we begin, however, we shall end with Jesus Christ. Who is himself the good news, and who alone can fulfill all human aspirations? Paul's remarks reminded me of what he would later write in Romans, chapter one, verses eighteen through twenty-one, where he writes, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in righteousness, because." but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Indeed, God has given to us a testimony in His creation and even in our heart. He has placed within each of us a moral compass to know right from wrong. This is evidenced in every culture, in every society. And although they may not know God personally, they have the testimony without and within them. For those who earnestly desire to know God, he will reveal himself to them and save them by his grace. Do you know him? Do you see him through eyes of faith? Do you believe that Jesus is a son of God who lived who died for your sin, who rose from the dead? I urge you, my friend, put your trust in him today. He's able to save. He is longing to forgive you and call you his own dear child. Ask him to come into your life today, to be the savior of your soul. If you ask, he will answer. And oh, what joy will be yours. Well, the situation in Lystra grew more intense. Paul and Barnabas were barely able to keep them from offering sacrifices to these two faithful apostles. But but then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, the two towns where they had stirred up violent opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And these Jews were able to turn the crowds against Paul and Barnabas. How quickly they turned from an attitude of worship to the act of attempted murder. We read that they stoned Paul, dragging his bloodied and battered body outside of the city and walking away, leaving him for debt. Commentators are divided over whether or not Paul had actually died. According to 2 Corinthians 11.25, we know that Paul was stoned only once. However, Luke's account in Acts says that the people supposed he was dead. There are some scholars who believe that it was at this time that Paul was referencing in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 4, when he wrote, I know a, a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven, and I know such a man whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Well, we don't know the answer to the question, was he dead or not. But what we do know is that while the new believers gathered around Paul's battered and bloody body, suddenly Paul stood up, and walked right back into the city. Just imagine the conversation he must have had with that little church body before he and Barnabas left the next day for Derby. You know, it has been said that as long as there is work that God wants us to do, he will keep us by his power until that work is done. This is a perfect example of that principle. And I think this was a defining moment in Paul's life, which probably gave him the boldness and courage that he exhibited all the days of his life, willing to suffer any measure of persecution for the sake of the gospel. Yes, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that his life was in God's hands. Therefore, he faithfully served God all the days of his life. when his work was finally done, listen to what Paul wrote to Timothy as some of his final words. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth, and to be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, Fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul and Barnabas moved on. Let's read that account from the remainder of this chapter, beginning with verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city, Derbe, and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith, and saying, We must, through many tribulations, enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every city and church, they prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And after they had passed through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. Now when they had preached the word in Perga, They went down to Attalia. From there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. Paul and Barnabas preached in Derby and many followers there and many became followers of Jesus Christ then they retraced their steps going back to the cities that had persecuted them who had resisted the gospel message why did they do that basically putting their lives in danger once again because there were new believers that needed to be taught, encouraged, and strengthened in their faith. The apostles spent enough time with them to organize a church in each of these cities, setting over them elders, we call them pastors today, to be their spiritual leaders. And in parting, they exhorted the church to, quote, continue in the faith, saying to them, we must, through many tribulations, enter the the kingdom of God. Quote. And then, after praying for them and commending them to the Lord, they traveled on, finally reaching Antioch, where they had been commissioned and sent out for this missionary service more than a year earlier. They had much to report to that body of believers and the apostles how God had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles and the mighty things that he had done. They had, by the grace of God, fulfilled the work God had given them to do. And they joyfully reported the blessings to the church family. Warren wearsby makes the following observation. It takes the local assembly of believers to help us fulfill all of what Jesus commanded us to do. Paul grounded the believers in the word of God. This is the only source of strength and stability when persecution comes, as it inevitably does come. Paul did not preach a a popular success gospel that painted a picture of an easy Christian life. Paul and Barnabas announced that the door of faith had been opened to the Gentiles. That door is still open to Jews and Gentiles alike, to a whole world. Walk through that open door. Help take the gospel to others. Be bold. Be daring. Heavenly Father, there is still so much work to do. And we are beginning to sense that time is short. After all, we don't even know if we have tomorrow. What we have is today. So I pray, O God, that you will place it in our hearts to be faithful to you today and every today from this time forward. Lord, Lord, your love is so great and you desire that all would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Lord, I again pray, if there is anyone who is listening to this podcast that does not yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior, O Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts right now. And draw them to the Savior. Hear their prayer, O God, I pray. Lord Jesus, pour out your love into their hearts. Perhaps there are those listening who are struggling with their faith or have wandered from their faith. Lord, let this be the moment when they say, Lord, I choose to follow you from this moment on. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin and restore me into your embrace. And for those who are listening, who are your faithful servants, I pray, oh God, that you will encourage and strengthen and uh, empower them, Lord, for even greater ministries that the world might know, Lord, that Jesus is real, that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is Savior, that Jesus is love, but that Jesus also is the Son of God and the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Lord Jesus, I pray, take this word, your word, and write it upon the tablet of our hearts, and transform our lives. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. If you are finding these messages helpful and encouraging, or if you have a question that you would like to ask, please feel free to email me. That email address is BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com That's all one word, BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com Well, until next time, my friend. May God continue to bless you as you strengthened by his power with boldness to faithfully serve him who is the savior of your soul.